0: The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Good evening and welcome to Sunday Afternoon Cinema with me, Christopher Windsor, and him, Michael Larkin. Hello, Mike. Hello, Chris. How are you? Uh, Not bad, not bad. Are you enjoying being gayfully employed? I am. He has a uh, job. He has a job. Quick, upda- quick update to the people out there,
1: if you've been listening, if you care or not, I don't know. Um, the past few years, I've actually been quite ill, so I've been unable to work. Uh, thankfully, that's all behind me now. And I'm now gainfully employed. Christopher and I work actually in the same building. Sadly, not the same departments we work in different wings of the building on different departments but i'm i'm enjoying being employed once again and getting out and actually uh what's the word um giving money to Theresa
0: may socializing yeah that too that too yeah (laughs) um so we're going to be looking at an interesting film this evening um i say this for two reasons the thing it Well, you know No, I'll not say too much more. Um, I'll let you do it, Mike. It was your choice. You can introduce the film. And I will come in afterwards, and we can discuss it and see what we felt. So, go for it, my son. Okay, this evening, folks. We're
1: going to answer the age-old question. Can Steven Spielberg direct comedy? Now... It's, it's not a question that comes up very often, basically because nobody knows of any comedy films that he's actually directed. You look through, through his back work and you've got George, Jurassic Park, you've got um, Schindler's List, oh, but that, there are no real stand-out comedy. comedies.
0: Oh, that was funny. Except
1: for one movie, and that film is 1941. Directed in 1979, it wasn't exactly a standout in his career. It didn't really perform very well at the box office. However, I, I mean, people, even people back in the movie, weren't really behind it. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of a weird film in that it should have been much more than it was. It's, it's a Spielberg movie that spoofs other movies. It's actually very historically accurate at times, um, which is a, a classic Spielberg trope. Um, and not badly written or directed but I think maybe it was still a bit too close at the time to World War Two to really make fun of it. Um, Although somehow the allows um, Stanley Kubrick to get away with it with Doctor Strange Love. Perhaps because that was such a broad um, lampooning of, of, world, of World War and it wasn't actually set during World War Two. Anyway, um, the movie opens in California um, in 1941, obviously. And... Um, and shows a young lady who actually, for the eagle-eyed among, among you who may have seen the movie, is actually the same woman as at the beginning of Jaws, um, the, one who, the first victim of the shark, Bruce. Um, and she skips along the beach, stripping down to her, her bare-naked body, and jumps into the water, and then we hear the sound of... Well, it's it's the jaws theme basically, um, and this, the water starts churning around her. Rather than being attacked by a shark, however, she finds herself impaled on the periscope of a Japanese U-boat.
0: Well, not so much impaled. She grabs hold of it and well, stays mounted yeah.
1: to it. I don't. Uh, yeah, impaled is the wrong word, but yeah, basically stuck on. The, the periscope of of a Japanese U boat, um, coming up through the water, very jaws like, I must say. Um, and we this starts off the movie, and from here on, you can't really expect massive historical accuracy. You know, it's not it's not a, sp- a classic Spielberg movie in the sense of it's. It's not Saving Private Ryan, folks, it's not, you know, it's not Lincoln, it's not any of those movies. This is a a very un-Spielberg-like movie. Um, And I think probably that's why I've got such a soft spot for it, is that he was stepping so far outside of his comfort zone with this, and people just didn't expect it. Spielberg didn't direct he doesn't do comedy. And people were very uncomfortable with it. I think. I I must say as well, this is written by the uh, Bob Gale and Robert Zemeckis, the guys behind Back to the Future. Um. Anyway, moving on. Um. It's I mean it's got a very good cast. You have to say. Um. I'm sure you agree yourself, Chris.
0: It was a very strong cast. I mean, you know, we we obviously can't go through all of the characters in this film. um, Because for one thing, there's so many of them. And secondly, it's so all over the place, I think it's impossible to try and keep up. But the big ones that you see are obviously people like um, Dan Aykroyd, uh, John Belushi. uh, John Candy. John Candy, thank you. That was the other person I was trying to think of. Um, Treat Williams, Christopher Lee, uh, Tim Matheson, I recognise... Um, who else have we got? I see. I recognise Lorraine Gray, but I'm not really sure why. Um, Nancy Allen. Nancy Allen. Yeah, we've also got her. And I think those are the main ones that I recognise.
1: We've but, also yeah. got in there Slim Pickens, who uh, fans of classic movie may know the name from the aforementioned Doctor Strangelove uh, where he plays a very similar character. To his character in this, uh, very much a a redneck, uh, mountain man, bit of a hick. Um, Not to say that he was one, obviously, but it's just the character that he was particularly known for in comedy. Um, Just the kind of how the partner type of of character. And there's a there's a long story line because his name is is Holliswood. And, of course, the, ja- the crew, the captain crew of the Japanese U-boat are actually looking for Hollywood. Mm. Um Which leads to great misunderstanding between the two because Hollywood actually owns, um, I believe it's a Christmas tree farm, is it not?
0: I'm not sure to be honest.
1: Um, I can't remember. It's, it's been a few weeks since I've watched the movie. I was just starting to watch it when you called. So I was... At, I did stop. It was just at the beginning, so I'm not not missing anything. But, um... I think the answer to this question, can Spielberg direct comedy, is yes, he can. Just not very well. <laughs> Would you
0: agree? Right. I think... Okay. Okay. This was entirely incoherent to me. I... Knew there was a story, there was clearly a storyline going on, but it was so all over the place and so out of whack that I honestly found this a chore to watch. And I don't want to sound like a dick; I'm just being truthful.
1: No, there are a lot of a lot of storyline threads to kind of keep try and keep up with, and I think that that's part of what makes it. Um, not a bad movie just not a terribly good movie
0: i don't mind slapstick comedy or films that go off in other directions and can change at a moment's notice one of my favorite comedies of all time is still the naked gun you know i still think it's a wonderful comedy film and it is slapstick it is all over the place but that works and for this it just doesn't seem to work for me right Okay, so the thing about Steven Spielberg can he write? Can he direct comedy? Well, he's only done one, so he couldn't really say. The thing is, you couldn't if you sat this in front of someone and said, "Who do you think directed this movie?" They wouldn't have a clue. There is nothing about this film that says this is a this is a Steven Spielberg film. You know,
1: apart from the, the title credits.
0: Well, okay. Take away the title credits. There is nothing distinctive about this film to suggest in any way why it's a, who it's particularly made by, and there are certain films where you get that. I mean, just looking at some of the masterpieces that Steven Spielberg has made, um, you know, Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, um, Extraterrestrial, E.T. Uh, Poltergeist, although he was somewhat uncredited in that, um, the film Always Hook, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, The Color Purple, Empire of the Sun, just to name a few. This is a man who clearly knows what he's doing, and yet in this I didn't get any feeling as to what he, the fact that he was behind this. I also can kind of feel that as funny as Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3 were to an extent, because I'll be honest with you, I don't know much about Robert Zemeckis or Bob Gale's work. I'm not sure they're comedic writers either. I, I didn't find Back to the Future funny. I I didn't think they were meant to be funny, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I mean, I, I'm just interested to see what Robert Zemeckis has done. Looking at what he has done, apart from Forrest Gump, there's not Owen. Owen he did a. To be fair, he did do Who and Roger Rabbit. Uh, you know. He also did Gremlins. I didn't find that especially funny, in all honesty. But yeah. Uh, did you, did you gremlins? I'm not seeing that. Was he the writer behind what, gremlins? What's
1: the gremlins? What you, who did gremlins? That's a question. I'm sure he did gremlins. I'm
0: not seeing Uh it. Let me, let me just look. No, he obviously didn't. Um, and indeed, you know, I, I don't know much about Bob Gale's work, but, you know, the main thing and the main reason I know his name is, um, is because of is because of Back to the Future. Um, right. I'm trying to be subjective here, and I'm really not trying to be horrible about this film, because I think that in... Oh, Joe oh, Dante. in In a second Sorry. viewing there is the possibility that i might find something to like about this the problem is is i, I know i said this before but it just feels so all over the place and disjointed yeah i found it incredibly difficult to follow the storyline because it was flashing and, and moving around so often it was like can can we just stay on one scene for more than 10 minutes so that i can actually get an idea of what i'm watching and following a script that i really find it frustrating and i found it quite boring to be perfectly honest with you i i thought this this would
1: have been probably handled better by a comedy a comedy director so um like john landis for instance possibly possibly um I mean, whether it's because Spielberg was not used to comedy, or whether it was the aforementioned, it was it was too close to World War Two. Mm. Um, I don't know.
0: So what? Look, I don't want to be a complete downer on this. So what? What made you fall in love with this film to begin with? Um, you know, obviously you like this film because you chose it. So, that, what? What was it about this film that really? That I must say, by worse? the way, I'm
1: guessing you, like me, have watched the uh, restored or remastered version. Where um, it comes, it comes I... up with a with a note saying about um. The, the dialogue may be awful and there may be lines on the screen during Yeah, and it was,
0: all, it was also two and a half hours, the version I watched.
1: Yeah, well... I did not make
0: was, it in that far.
1: The original version I watched wasn't wasn't that version.
0: I mean, I, I've got to... I, sorry. Again,
1: this is, this is kind of... For me, it's, it's the curse of Hollywood in that, you know, directors now seems to be going back to their previous works and thinking, how can I make this better?
0: Mm. I know, by making it worse. But, you know, and, and and hey, I don't actually mind Steven Spielberg as a director, but it still makes me laugh when um, he made Indiana 4. And you heard him you're saying...
1: you are got to mention the fucking fridge, aren't you?
0: No, no, no. What I was actually going to say about Indiana Jones 4 um, was that he basically said that he didn't like Indiana Jones 4 and he only made it because he wanted to make it. It's like, oh, you weren't saying that at the time there, were you, Stephen? But you wanted our money then, didn't you? So, yes. Fucking corporate chill. <laughs> Who did he do that with? Let's just... George Lucas. That was it. Yes, I didn't. Man who who
1: destroyed all of our fucking childhoods by remastering again. That
0: fucking word,
1: remastering. I've got to say, the Star Wars trilogy. I'm
0: sorry. I've got to. As much as I would not normally defend George Lucas because the man can't direct himself out of a paper bag, but. If you seriously get upset by the remastering of Star Wars, the original trilogy, and indeed episodes one to three, grow the fuck up, really. It's just a movie. No one's forcing you to watch it. No one forced you to buy it. Stop making claims, oh, George Lucas ruined my childhood. Shut the fuck up and grow up, <laughs> seriously. And I know that you've not said that, Mike, but unfortunately, an awful lot of people did. It's like, you know what? If you only like the original trilogy, watch the original trilogy on DVD and leave it that way, because that's... You can't get it. I'm sure you can on Amazon, surely. No. Or on eBay
1: or something. Somebody has put a version online of the original unremastered.
0: Well, well, maybe not the original original, but the one that was brought out in, um, was it uh, 1995 or whatever? It was when... Yeah, it was around that time he
1: started them with A. Yeah, um, and and
0: that was actually okay.
1: Um, that was actually that was okay because he didn't change it too much.
0: No, always well, it's, really. It's when a he started adding, adding creatures
1: that look to be quite honest with like soccer puppets with fucking ping pong ball. No, you leave them eyes. alone. I thought
0: they were cute. But anyway, this isn't 1941 as it star was. Um, yeah, uh, Back to the subject.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, as I say I the, the, the original version I watched wasn't this version Um right. I at the time I mean I was probably 18, 19 and certain times in my life I've gone through as we all do I think fandoms and at the time my big fandom was it still is the Blues Brothers um, and John Belushi I wanted everything with John Belushi in. So for me, it was a trip to HMV, which was the only shop in Liverpool I could find this movie in on VHS. Yes, kids, this is how far back we go in 20 years um, to when I had to go to HMV and pay $13.99 for a cassette <laughs> of this film. Just because I was such a big Belushi fan. Mm-hmm. And the original version um, was actually a good half an hour shorter. Right. So you can imagine how much bump he's added with that extra half an hour. And that just wasn't there in the original. I mean, the Boys Brothers director's cuts, I think it was 11 minutes longer. Didn't need to be. But... I'm not gonna discredit it because the changes were mainly cosmetic. It wasn't a massive change. If you wanna watch a a real director's cut, Robocop. 30 seconds longer. (laughs) And that's all in the Ed 9 19 where he blows the fuck out of the corporate suit. (laughs) That's all it is, just like 50 million more squibs in the guy's chest. What a, what a, what a superlative piece of directing that is, and <laughs> that's all the directors put needs to be, is really what you know, what did the MPAA tell me I couldn't have?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, sorry, go, go on. on. No, no, finish what you're saying. What I was gonna say is,
1: if you're going back to these pieces as purely a vanity project of. Well, I couldn't get my way because the studio said, or the MPAA said, or... Well, not the MPA because fuck the MPAA, and um, frankly, I want to see the shit that was cut out by the MPAA. But if it was cut out by the studio, or if, or if, if the editor said, Listen, this shit isn't going to work, it plays really badly to audiences, get rid of it. If you're adding that stuff in, it's not going to work. Because then it becomes a a, a, a vanity project. It's just a, a massive fuck you, look who I am, to, to the people in charge, and it's not doesn't work for me. If it adds something to the story, then great. But otherwise, it's just you're just puffing your own chest.
0: What I mean, um, I went to see uh, the other week uh, Dunkirk. And, my God, what a masterpiece. I cannot urge people enough to watch that film. As I said to Derek last night, um, I have no interest in watching it again because it was so harrowing. Um, it was so... Oh, good God. Uh, I mean, Show my... me your life. Yeah, um, as I said to Derek, it actually made me cry at the end. Not because of anything especially horrific, even though it was horrific, but I think simply because um, there was so much emotion building up in that film, that by yeah. the by the time you got the end of it, it was like, oh thank God it's over, sort of a thing. I would recommend watching it. Now, in terms of making comedy out of what is really, you know, I think no questions asked, one of the most harrowing and one of the most despicable Tragedy. things that humankind's have ever brought to a planet which they don't own. We don't own this planet, people. We rent it. And don't we ever, don't even and, rent it. And, and we'll don't just ever forget that. We've been given a temporary, bo- temporary lens of the planet. Exactly. So what do you think of the whole idea of making comedy war films? Because I can't help a feel that there might be a few German people out there who think, look, we know what we did in the past. Can you stop bringing it up? you know, we, they, they've redeemed for what they did. There's an awful lot of people in Germany who hate everything about World War One and World War II, especially the Nazi party, and say we don't want anything to do with that anymore. We never did. These yeah. the people do not represent our country and indeed our people, and God bless them for doing that.
1: And let's face it, these days, I think it's more our country and, and America that represents the Nazis.
0: Unfortunately, In this yes. day and
1: age. Unfortunately, yes. So, uh, we're going, going to get into a completely different podcast with so, that yeah, we, subject. We will move away I mean, from that.
0: So, so what do you think of the idea of making a comedy um, out of a um, out, of, out, of, out of a war film? Is is it something that should be done? Is it a bit touchy, or do you think this film just wasn't clever enough to make it a good comedy, as it were? And I know that sounds a bit harsh, but you know, what do you think?
1: Basically, I mean, I'm I'm a bit of a fatalist when it comes to comedy. Um, and I will find comedy in pretty much anything uh, including death itself if you can't laugh at death what can you laugh at <laughs> now <laughs> don't, I, don't get are wrong World War two was a tra- tragedy that should never have been allowed to happen but at the end of the day This is a this is a film written by two Jewish guys, directed by a Jewish guy, that makes fun of something so serious. Yeah. Um and I think you've kind of got to respect that from their heritage. Um that they can look at this and go, you know, there are funny stories that came from World War Two. that we can bring to the screen. I mean, if you look at the trivia page for this film, I'm just going to bring it up now. And, yeah, I'm just looking at the run times now, by the way. The original run time was 118 minutes.
0: Which is respectable.
1: It's respectable. Just the shade of the two hours. The director's cut is 146 minutes. So it's yeah. over 20, 28 minutes added to the runtime. That's you know unnecessary. Um Yeah, that seems oh, a bit long. Yeah. Okay, according to co writer Bob Gale in the D V D documentary, many of the events in the movie are based on real incidents. The army really did put an anti aircraft gun in the in the yard of a homeowner excuse me on the main coast a japanese submarine shelled a refinery in elwood on the california coast on february 22nd 1943. an air raid false alarm over los angeles resulted in civil defense and army weapons firing into the air of the night of february 24th and 25th 1942 thinking they were being attacked by the japanese and then the, infa- the infamous zoot suit Riots between Hispanic youth and servicemen took place in June 1943. So, I mean, it is a story that's based somewhat in fact. And you look at these things and you go, really? You, you put a piece of heavy artillery in someone's
0: backyard? Well, they, they were wanting to do that. Um, as recently as um, less than a century ago, uh, I remember when the Olympics happened in London, there was talk about wanting to put anti-aircraft um, weaponry in, on on the top of people's ha- flats rather in, in London. Because, you know, they were afraid that they were going to get bombed. And let's be honest, if as horrible as it may... It was almost the
1: 2012
0: Olympics. W- was it the 2012 Olympics when it was held in London? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, there there were talks of doing that because, to be fair, from the government's point of view, there was a very real chance that if they were going to have any kind of a a terrorist attack, it was probably going to be there. It was probably going to be in Olympic Park. And, yes, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to move people out of their homes and put anti-artillery and stuff on top of people's flats in London. That's uh, that's kind of frightening. Just a little. Just a little, I mean, and you know, talking about making fun or well, okay, let's distinguish that. Is it? It's not making fun. I don't think it's making fun. I think that's wrong. I I think it's making. It's not saying you know, it's not. It's not directly making fun. It's not a direct comedy, if that makes sense. No, what what it just reminded me of. Sorry, was um black
1: Adder goes forth yeah Which... it's, got, it's got that kind of feel to it I mean nobody nobody ever looked at black Adder goes forth and so said that's disrespectful no not at all um and yes it was set in the same world war
0: um and was infinitely more comedic well that was 19 that was the 1914 war wasn't it it wasn't world war Two. Oh, sorry that was sorry that
1: was the great war yeah sorry uh, um, world trenches. war one but infinitely more comedic in its, in its style and tone.
0: Nobody ever said that was
1: disrespectful.
0: In no, any th- kind think, of way. I think if anyone I think of anything people said it was incredibly respectful.
1: Yeah, I mean especially the end scene and oh, if you've God. never seen this episode folks for a comedy series that has such wonderful characters and, and writing, the end scene of this comedy show, or the very final scene of the final episode, is heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. F- the first time I, wa- I watched it, and even now when I watch it, I cry.
0: I think it's fair to say that if you don't cry, or at the very least well up a little bit, at the very end scene of Black Blackadder Goes Forth, then you have no soul. You really don't. There's something. There's something wrong with you if you don't find that upsetting. You are broken as a human. (laughs) You are defective. I'm sorry if that offends anyone, but it happens to be true. no. If if that offends, if you get offended
1: at that and you don't cry at Black that goes forth, then quite frankly, fuck you. (laughs) Because you are you are not a person. You're, I don't know what you are, but you—you're you're defective in some way. You need to go back to the factory and get a get somebody to restore you to original settings. <laughs> because that—it's a harrowing piece of piece of television. I—it it puts you there. It puts you in the trenches. and puts you in the boots literally in the boots of these people going over the top, facing certain death. But, again, through the series, you know, there there were scenes where, oh, how do we we get out of this? You know, how do do we pretend I'm mad? Oh, put a pair of underpants on, yeah, a couple of pencils up your nose and go, (laughs) wibble.
0: You know? And many, many people did. And, yeah, and...
1: I mean, you've got, you got another war comedy, Catch-22. Oh, that's the new
0: one on me.
1: Based on the on the fantastic book by Joseph Heller. Right. Um. And the Catch-22 of the story being, anyone who claims they're insane to try and get out of war is clearly sane. Yet... Sorry, to get out of flying, flying the planes in this war is clearly sane. Yet, anyone who's willing to go up into the air in one of these planes is clearly
0: insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- so there is that wonderful line from um, from Blackadder where he turns around and says, um, "It was a good idea, but it didn't work." But then again, let's let's face it, who noticed a madman around here? um you know it's it's true i mean
1: you're in a kind of situation it's uh, i hate to say it but it's it's very it's a very human situation Mm. here our our species is a very what we're a we're a warlike species we have since the since man first walked upright this planet has not known peace agreed agreed um and you look at you look at it and go, why are you killing each other? What what do you get out of What is the someone? point
0: exactly?
1: What is the point? We're all given we're all put on this fantastic blue ball for a, for a very brief period of time, and certain people and I, I hate to say it, but certain people want want to meet that that brief moment in time, that brief existence that we have before we blink out as hellacious and as awful as we possibly can. I mean, what's the end game? What, what pleasure do you get out of making people's life so so hellish? Indeed. Um. You know, why can't we all just get along? Uh, I think ultimately that I think that's why we have to look at war movies, whether they be films like Dunkirk, whether they be comedic films like Nineteen Forty One. We have to look at them in the same kind of in the same kind of light, mm. because they're just two different perspectives of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And You know any? You know, if. Art is very subjective, and movies even more so. What's a masterpiece to one is garbage to another. You can look at a painting, for instance, in the Louvre, or in the Museum of Modern Art, or any museum around the world, and your view of that painting will be completely different from mine, from someone else's, from X, Y, and Z. And that's the beauty of art, is that it is subjective. Um, I've always been of the opinion that, really, offence can only ever be taken, not given. Mm. Okay. I can say something to you that would, if I set out to purposely offend you, you know, that would be very offensive. But only if you're it's that way inclined. If you if you know me and you know I'm taking the piss, then you're not going to be offended. But it's it's very it's subjective comedy art film. It's all down to personal opinion and what you know. One as I say, one man's masterpiece is another man's garbage. Um. So. And I forgot what the original point of this
0: was. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure but I would say about another film that you know is um is comedic and based around um a war in general and I hate to say it but far better than this film um sorry is a uh, life is beautiful and it's a stunning film. Um, it just just to give a brief synopsis of it. Um, it's basically about a open-minded Jewish librarian and his son who become victims of the Holocaust. He uses a perfect mixture of will, humor, and imagination to protect his son from the dangers around their camp. And it's such it's a wonderful film. It, it's such a I I can't remember that much of it because it's been at, I I saw it when I um when I was in college almost uh, seventeen years ago, but it was absolutely delightful, and I really would urge anybody to see it again. It's a film that you wouldn't necessarily watch multiple times, but I think it is a wonderful film. Um, okay, so let's just go back to nineteen forty-one, just for a look, Because honestly, I think I think we're going to call time on this one soon because really, I don't have an awful lot to say more about this. Um, Let's just talk about some of the characters that you especially liked, or, or the, at least the actors that you felt <laughs> stood out in this film above the other actors. Um, throw me a couple of names that you felt came, that you came away with, that you really enjoyed on stage.
1: On on the film? Um, yeah. I mean, Tim Matheson's always always good value for money. I um, uh, and there are actually a few crossovers in this film because you've got obviously from The Blues Brothers, you've got Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, and John Candy. Yeah. Um, from Animal House, you've got John Belushi and Tim Matheson. Um, I'm trying to, trying to walk through the cast. Sorry, I'm just going back to the cast list. Um. Sorry, I'm just bringing it up now.
0: It's okay. Well, whilst you're doing that, I'm, I'll do a quick plug of Iconicomatic. <laughs> we recently did a episode me, Derek, where we talked about a number of films that we wanted to speak of. We spoke of a Ghost Story. Uh, we spoke of The Big Sick. Uh, we talked about Girls' Night, which Derek got rather angry about it was actually quite amusing uh we talked about dunkirk and we talked about valerian and i hated that and so did derek so if you want to listen please check out um icon back on facebook we would love you to listen
1: you finished plugging? yep <laughs> thank you <laughs> um
0: it's my I... podcast i'll plug it if i want okay
1: so yes um crossovers you've got Wendy Jo Sperber who you may know better as Martin McFly's sister from the Back to the Future series
0: I wouldn't have had clue that was her to be honest
1: sadly dead now um, died of can- I, think, I believe it was cancer that's a shame and it is a shame because she, she was a very talented actress Um. Uh, unfortunately, this is another one of those movies that if we walk through the, the credits, very few of them are actually st- still around. I was
0: just thinking that, actually, looking through this cast list, how many of these people are actually still about. Um,
1: um... I mean, we've, we're still lucky enough to have Ned Beatty, um, who was the California homeowner in this movie. I don't um,
0: remember him from the actual film, but I do know who Treat Williams is, um, and he is still alive. Treat Williams
1: is the uh, soldier at the beginning of the movie who doesn't like eggs. Right. Uh, if if this scene means anything, to you. in the in the restaurant in the in the diner, um, he kind of picks on the dancing waiter.
0: Um just about was that him i don't remember that um i mean the the, the only thing i really know Tree williams from to be fair um is a tv program called everwood which you know by all means rip the piss out of me if you want to for liking that program but i actually really enjoyed it but that's about the only thing i know him from to be perfectly honest with you I mean, he's be, he's be, he's one of these
1: actors that he's been in things all over the place. He was in 127 hours.
0: Oh yeah, he doesn't he, seem
1: to have stopped working to his credits. I mean, I'm just looking through through his his IMDb resume. He's worked since 1975, 42 years. Fuck me. He was in Star Wars Episode Five, apparently. What? Yeah. The no way. Had. He was Echo Beast Trooper, uncredited. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Saying that, who hasn't been in a Star Wars movie? That's true, that's true. Um, yeah. Uh, Dead Heat, which is a film I remember vaguely about, um, two policemen brought back to life. It was, it was basically an eighties R. R.I.P.D. Oh, okay. Um,
0: I didn't watch it a lot, but I did enjoy Brothers and Sisters. Uh, that was a, never seen it. That was a decent series. Um, uh, okay, so obviously, yeah, so Dan Out we kind of know quite a bit about. Uh, Ned B.T. rings a bell for me, but I'm not really sure why. Uh, Christopher Lee is obviously... Have a... you
1: seen the Superman movies? No. Uh, in that case, what I'm going to say the next is he's got kind of pointless because he was in Superman. He was Lex Luthor's kind of sidekick.
0: Oh, he was the sheriff in Toy Story 3? What... Could... He was also in Rango. He was the mayor. Was he the sheriff? Oh, no, he was the bear, sorry. He was the bear in Toy What's Story What's all the
1: bear? Yeah.
0: That's why I recognise his name.
1: Charlie Wilson's War. Thunderpants. That's a, that's a fun little movie.
0: You say he was in Django's Unchained. So I've actually got that. To no, watch. he was in Rango. Oh, Rango! Sorry, I do apologise. I've got that to watch <laughs> soon. Very
1: soon um, he, he was also in Deliverance. I've
0: never seen. I've never seen that. You know. You're aware of it, though. Oh, you? very well. I'm aware. You know, as much as anybody can be. It's it's one of those films where it's just you know it's famous for it's, certain. Bits.
1: It's it's in the public consciousness.
0: Uh, John Belushi, obviously, what, um, is he still with us? No, he's dead suddenly. No,
1: he's, he's long dead, um, he died from a speedball. Right. Um, which, you're obviously you're not familiar with it. It's a mixture, apparently it's a mixture of, uh, cocaine and, I think it's heroin.
0: Well, I guess if you can afford it.
1: Well, yeah. yeah then
0: fair play. I can't afford it, but that doesn't, you know. Um, Dan Aykroyd, we've still got around.
1: Um, Christopher to... Lee sadly died a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, though not before he got to give us his heavy metal concept album, <laughs> which uh, I've I've heard excerpts of it. And it sounds wonderful. <laughs> if if you can imagine Christopher Lee singing uh, heavy metal based on the life of I can't remember which which member of royalty it was. Um but from kind of centuries ago.
0: <laughs> Nancy Allen as Donna Stratton from Robocop, that's the um, only thing I remember from. Oh come on, I I'm
1: just gonna look at her
0: Oh her god, resume. that's why I know him. Sorry. Who? Um Eddie Eddie Decent he was in revenge of the nerds he was also in war games i remember him being in war games and wanting to punch him in the face because uh, he was so annoying <laughs> i specifically remember the scene in war games and he's so annoying uh, yeah because of his voice but then again that's probably how he made his money to be fair
1: yeah i mean if you if you've got a characteristic like that i mean
0: like Pee-wee herman
1: well i mean Pee-wee herman's a character <laughs> um, I was I was thinking more like uh, what's his name Joe Pasquale,
0: um maybe maybe,
1: but yeah Frank McRae you might know from Batteries Not Included. This. Uh
0: I don't remember him in that, but it's been a long time since I've seen that. But I do want to talk about that at some point.
1: Um the aforementioned swim Pickens. I mean this uh, is a
0: massive cast.
1: Yeah, I mean... Huge. You even got Michael
0: McKean. Pops up. It could have had James Kahn in it. He wasn't credited, but he was in it. It's...
1: Yeah, Sailor and Fight. Penny Marshall? (laughs) God.
0: Penny Marshall, isn't he? Okay, Okay, so let's say someone hasn't seen this film, how would you sell this to them, that they should go out tonight and look it up on Netflix or Amazon or other streams streaming of your choice? Yep. How would you sell this to people, and why should they watch it?
1: Uh, probably they shouldn't, because the as, as I mentioned, the, you, you're only going to see the extended version which bastardises the original. Okay, um, but if
0: they're going to see the original, why should they watch the original version? If they can find it, why should they watch it? If they can find it, I
1: mean... In the original version, it's a very funny movie uh, that doesn't overstay its welcome in the way that the extended edition does. Um, I... Again, as I mentioned before, I fell in love with it because of my previous affinity with the Blues Brothers, um, and that's how I got into the wide, the wider works of uh, both John Boucher and Dan Aykroyd. So for me, it was, it was kind of more of a, more of a curiosity for me because I'd already seen all of the other movies together apart from this one by the time I got round to it. Um, and they only made a few movies together, which was *The, the Blues but it was 1941, and *Neighbors*, I believe. Not related to the uh, Australian TV show the same name. <laughs> before. That's a shame. Uh, anyone thinks they never got to do *Animal House* together. They were meant to do *A Dark Was meant to be an *Animal House*. But couldn't do it due to his commitments with Saturday Night Live unfortunately um, I'm just looking through and yes those are the only three movies he got to do together in order it was actually 1941 first then came the Blues Brothers in 1980 and in 81 Neighbours Neighbours is a very strange movie <laughs> um, very dark comedy Um, set in in American Suburbia. And uh, it's another one that I've had in my collection over the years. And I actually saw that before 1941, somehow. Very hard film to find, but if you do find it, uh, stick it on, just out of curiosity. See if it holds up. I mean, if it doesn't hold up, because it's it's an early eighties comedy set in the early eighties against the very early eighties America, um, if that makes sense. Uh, but as a curiosity piece, I enjoyed it, and it's this film I still occasionally dig out to to watch when I'm feeling a bit bored. And that's what matters. Um,
0: you know at the end of the day as we said at the start of the podcast before we started recording there are going to be certain films that i recommend that mike doesn't like there are going to be films that mike recommends that i don't especially like and there's n- and there's nothing wrong with that um it's just talking about these films and hopefully trying to get some exposure to these films that other people might not have heard of and maybe open people up to this film that hopefully they will enjoy you know it, it it makes spark of other people and hopefully it does.
1: I mean, you never know if one person watches this movie if he can find the original version and get even part of what I got out of it the first time I saw it. I'll, I'll class that as a bit, of a, a bit of a success, a bit of a win mm. if I'm being quite honest. Um, and again, we're, we're not always going to agree and people can respectfully disagree when it comes to movies again because one man's one man's piece of art is another man's you know, throwaway piece of piece of rubbish. And that's what art is meant to be. It's not meant to be all encompassing. We're not all meant to love the same thing. I like for instance, I like groups that you would never consider listening to and vice versa. True. Does does it make either of us wrong? No. Because again, it's subjective, it's personal, and we all find something in it that we enjoy, and that's the that's the purpose of these of these art forms, is basically enjoyment. Not everyone can enjoy them or will enjoy them, but if enough people enjoy them, then that's what it's for, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Well, I
0: think that's a good place to end. So. I will say you know i'm sorry this has been a bit shorter this week guys um you know it it's not a ref- it, it is and it isn't a reflection of the film i didn't have an awful lot to say about it it, it this will happen um you know it's happened before and it will probably happen again um you know so well, sorry undoubtedly sorry that it's a little bit shorter than usual um if we are not
1: Listen, we've we've got 55 minutes out of this so far, so we've got nothing to be ashamed of.
0: (laughs) Indeed. If you have enjoyed what you've heard, I am energy what you've heard heard in the past, please consider subscribing on iTunes and giving us a follow on the old SoundCloud. Um Mike has said that he's building us a website at some stage, which is awesome. Um if you want to listen to back episodes and you don't have the SoundCloud app or anything on those lines um you can go to my personal website cwindsor.co.uk and look at, click on the podcast link and you can find all of my podcasts there. Um, please also give the iconicomatic podcast listen to that i'm involved with derek um we review more up-to-date films rather than films that were made some time ago um we do that on usually a fortnightly basis depending on how many films are out and thank you very much for listening and thank you very much for joining me as ever mike and thank you for having me chris good evening folks you have been listening to sunday afternoon cinema which is a recorded podcast the podcast was hosted by myself and Mike Larkin. The podcast was recorded, produced and edited by myself, Mr. Wollinger. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider subscribing on iTunes or following on Soundflowers. Thank you for listening.